a good night. Although, um, comedy club security has really ruined me. Oh, yeah. Because we were in the back, and I'm like, that table is talking, that table is talking, <laughs> that table is talking. And then I'm like, just shut up. Like, I wanted to, like, literally get up and start telling people to be quiet <laughs> because they were talking so much. And I'm just like, why? Why are people talking? Why are people shouting things out to her on stage? Why is this even happening? Who's controlling this thing? But it was it was fine. <laughs> Your phone is ringing. It is? Who the fuck is oh, this You can't hear it. Oh, it's scam likely. Oh, you're oh. oh. <laughs> Nobody scam likely. You they should call answer. everyone. They call everyone. Just just FYI. They mm-hmm. make their rounds. Hell yeah! How was the farmers market besides uh, all the crap, all the air, the air, the air quality? Yeah, the air quality was bad, but. Um... There is a local farm. I mean, obviously, there's like lots of local farms. Um, but they had a when pigs can fly special, so it was four bratwurst and six chicken wings for like seventeen dollars. So we got that. Nice. And then I'll plug Grandma Susie's if you're ever in Portland and you go to the farmers market. Grandma Susie's fudge is amazing. We got thin mint fudge. Ooh, thin mint fudge. And peanut butter cup fudge. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Next, you're going to say Oreo fudge, right? They have cookies and cream fudge, but oh. we didn't get it. <laughs> All right, I'm moving to Portland. <laughs> yeah, come on up. We got a room to rent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, nice. You guys take cats? Because I have a cat. <laughs> I think my dog would probably annoy your cat a lot and we don't have enough high spaces for your cat to hide so Giz will be pretty pissed i mean we annoy I mean, her a lot she, yeah she's already <laughs> she's already she's already pretty pissed so and that's just like a normal day yeah <laughs> how old is she now she actually just turned six uh this month happy birthday gizmo yeah she's a good baby we uh, her adoption day. We we use her adoption day as uh, her birthday. Yeah, may she always find things to push off a ledge. She doesn't do that. Actually, she actually doesn't do that, which is like we, it makes us happy because I don't like shit breaking. She's not destructive except for the couch. No way. She fucking hates that. She couch. hates that couch. She shreds it up. But it was my grandfather's couch, and he had a dog, so that might be why. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> But with that being said, uh, what is up? Welcome to the Hypothetical Comedy Podcast. I am Funky Sam Medina. And I am Athena Rodriguez. And we're here with comedian Laura Nelson. Hey, Laura. What up? Hello. Hello. How you doing? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. I'm, yeah. I'm jazzed about talking about comedy and life and cats hating sofas for non-specific reasons no i had that on my list i'm sure she has her reasons we just don't know them yeah that's true that's true you need to get a cat medium who can tell you oh my gosh so we were at this show one time (laughs) recently and Uh um athena was on stage and she was talking about uh being able to talk to dead people and stuff and doing this and one of the producers looks at me and says does she really talk to dead people? And I said, yes. And then she goes, can she talk to dogs? And mm-hmm. I go, I don't know. That's interesting. That's an interesting question. Um, how long has your dog been dead? And then she goes, oh, no, my dog's not dead. 
there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, so that's not what a medium is. Um, you, need, you need what's called a translator. <laughs> oh, a dog whisperer. A something. Yeah, what is my... How long has your dog been dead? My dog is still alive. Well, then that defeats the whole purpose. I just want to purpose. know what this attitude problem is coming from. I just want to know if he likes... Uh, which kibble he likes better. I want to know if when he's peeing on the furniture, he's saying, the sofa is mine, or I hate Sam's grandpa. <laughs> Uh, all of the above, all of the above. Uh, so, Laura, where uh, I know you've been kind of bouncing around all over the place. Where are you from? Uh, so I'm from, like, born and raised San Jose. Oh, woo! woo. You know what's crazy is we met uh, quite a few people from San Jose on the Zooms that we, like, lived in the same city with for so long and didn't know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah, so I, well, I wasn't, bo- I was born in Ohio, so I guess I wasn't born and raised, but I moved to san jose saratoga when i was three. Oh yeah so, so that's definitely where your heart's at yeah so i was there uh and then i was there for all of high school and then uh i moved all the way to san francisco for college Dang, all the way 45 minutes away it was a pretty long drive yeah to go home <laughs> and do laundry on the weekends it was tough Dang. um what yeah, was so- the what was the reason why you went to san francisco so I went to college at the University of San Francisco, and they were um, the only, at the time, they were the only program in the country that had a major called uh, Performing Arts and Social Justice. So it was all about theater with an emphasis on social change. Oh, um, wow. That's and, interesting. I never even heard of that. Yeah. So it was it was really interesting. I was really drawn to that. Um I did my senior thesis on environmental racism and the media, specifically um, Hunter's Point uh-huh. and Bayview uh, and all of the, um, you know, the the naval damage and dumping and as well as like the produce wastelands, as well as um, like produce deserts and how the media portrays uh, Bayview's Hunter's Point. Um, so it was really, it was really interesting. And uh, hopefully eye-opening. We went and I did a lot of firsthand interviews and volunteering with, um, at the time, you know, people who had lived there their whole lives um, from when it was a naval shipyard turned into, you know, what it was at the time in like 2002, uh, 2005, uh, when it was changing. Um, so it was really interesting. So yeah, that's what I, I went to college for because... Uh, I wanted to be better at dinner table conversation and I wasn't the best at math or writing. (laughs) Nice. That's cool. Did it help uh, in the long run with dinner conversation? It did. It did help. I did not major in dinner table conversation, but I got, I got better at it. That's good. And so when uh, you're talking about going to the cow palace and stuff and watching wrestling when you're younger, is that when you lived in San Francisco? Yeah. Yeah, so I lived in San Francisco for 18 years. Um, okay, okay. And I moved to Portland uh, literally like two days ago, yes, two years ago yesterday. Wow. Um, so it's, it was we a knew big... you, Yeah, we knew you when you moved. So uh, we met you when you were still in San Francisco, it sounds like. Yeah, 
Okay. That's so that's so crazy. Yeah. Nice. Oh, that would have been fun to hang out. It would have been the best, but don't worry. I can hop on a plane. All right. We'll see Hell you in yeah. we'll see you in an hour and a half. Hell yeah. So wait, you you said that um uh you kind of like grew up in San Jose and Saratoga? Yeah. Did you go to like Saratoga High School? I did not. I went to Archbishop Mitty. Oh, I've heard of that. My um yeah. If I went to high school, I would have gone to Saratoga High, which is where Steve Spielberg went. Is Mitty in um what? oh that's crazy. Is Mitty in uh Willow Glen? Um Mitty is in San Jose. Okay. Um it is a private Catholic high school. Um I know I I've heard it. of it. My 20-year high school reunion is coming up uh, at the end of next month. So I'm thinking of going down for it. Oh, that'd be fun. Good luck. Yeah, I'm not a fan of high school reunions. (laughs) I um, am also not a fan, but I moved away and it's like a reason to go back. And um, I have like those six high school friends that I love. Oh, good. That'll be a good reason. I went to like five high schools. So like I don't get reunions. Same. Same. <laughs> I was I was a bit of a problem child back in those days. Were you getting kicked out for like smoking in the boys' room or what was your deal? Uh not going was my deal. Uh yeah. <laughs> he was like, I was a bad boy. I was a rebel. one time one time even uh one time even I came home late. I remember I came home late. Uh this was when my mom was like not around. And um my dad was like waiting for me, like in the dark. And I came in, I walked in, and he was like started like smacking me and I was like what what's going on what's happening he's like your school calls and you haven't been there in two weeks and then I go oh that must be somebody else I think they have me confused for somebody else and he goes <gasps> and he goes oh, okay okay oh my god and that was the end of that I had the same thing really yes what happened well to I you? didn't get smacked around but <laughs> he just started smacking me in the head as soon as I walked in the door but my um my caregiver my guardian was like the school said that you haven't been to school. And I was like, oh, no, that's the other Athena. Oh, shit. Yeah. And there was another Athena, but she was way better at school than me. So later in life, when I was an adult, uh, I got to meet her parents. How did you meet her parents? And they're like, oh, you're the bad Athena. <laughs> and I was like, huh. <laughs> that was 15 years ago. Why are you bringing that up right now? Well, you're sending me back into my trauma. Right? How <laughs> dare you? Dang, Laura, that's crazy. Is Catholic school scary? Did they hit you with a ruler? Oh, dang. Oh, so I went to um, Catholic uh, junior high as well. Oh, and... so you're used to the rulers by high school then. <gasps> so not rulers, but like, yeah, no. Junior high had like a uniform, which was tough. It was tough. The nuns aren't nice. You know, I had um, sister, um, sister Catherine, and she like, I was failing. I was getting a D in religion. And oh, the, 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 the most important subject in that school. <laughs> and she like pulled me aside and she was like, Laura, I think you're emotionally spiraling out of control. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because I'm questioning God or like, because I'm a nerd, like, can you help me out? 
So I don't know. The nuns are weird. And then there's also um, priests and like junior priests, like priest light, which is before you become a priest, you're um, a seminarian. And so those are just like young, confused men put in, you know, junior highs. But when I was in junior high, um, the Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton thing happened. Oh, wow. And so I had Father Brendan and Sister um, Sister Mary uh, tell us that oral sex is sex. Um, and it is a sin and you would go to hell for it. And that was just, you know, chef's kiss in terms of why I turned to comedy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, sorry about that, Monica Lewinsky. You're like, I'm out. <laughs> All right, I'm out. <laughs> you know what's crazy? Um, when I was growing up, I was going to church. I was a uh, Baptist Christian, but I was going like voluntarily with like friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then when I got to the high school age, I kind of stopped going. I felt weird about it because they were basically like for music, for example, right? They would say, there's two kinds of music in this world. There's Christian music and there's worldly music. Don't listen to the worldly music. And I'm just like, I like that stuff. And I felt like they were trying to cut off almost like the non-Christian part of the world to us in a way. And so I kind of stopped going and just kind of said, no, I like that stuff. (laughs) It was the music that. Uh, it was the music mainly. That yeah. was the chef's kiss for. Sam. That was the chef's kiss for me. <laughs> I was like, no, thank you. I do not like Christian rock. Creed, isn't it for you? No, <laughs> not really. I'll take Amy Grant over Creed. Well, let's be real though. Like Amy Grant crosses into the secular world as totally bops. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't name one song by her. <laughs> So I was just saying. Is it is it baby baby? No, that's just that's uh, who's that kid from Canada? It's not Justin Bieber. She goes, baby, yeah, baby, Justin baby. Bieber. Isn't that Justin Bieber? Set my heart in motion. Oh, I know yeah, that song. That I know one. that song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amy yeah, Grant, absolutely. total bop. Isn't she a Christian singer? Oh my god, yes, but she has some okay. bops. <laughs> I remember they had uh, at my church they had like a library, and it was all like Christian books and Christian music, and just everything was. Wow. Crazy. That's, I remember, that's where I remember I saw her and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have a whole um I have a whole five minutes about being a recovering Catholic. So. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh so what happens after you decide um that you didn't, you know, you didn't want to do that and uh comedy was like the thing. Oh, so I had done um improv. A lot of my life. Uh, so I did improv in high school. I took an improv musical comedy to the Fringe Festival in Edinburgh. Oh, wow. Um, what year was that? That was 2003. That was my uh, senior year of high school. I was in it with a few people who are like famous now. Uh, one of whom is Alex Brightman, who was just Beetlejuice on Broadway. Oh, that's nice. incredible. Good for him. I know, get it. Um, And so I'd done improv and then I did improv all throughout high school. Well, before you get out of improv, sorry, before you get out of improv, how did you like get into it? How did I get into improv? Yeah. It was honestly uh, my older brother, Greg. So he did improv 
at his uh, all boys Jesuit high school. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, that's cool. I want to do that when I was younger and I saw it. So then I actually ended up doing improv at the all boys Jesuit school. I auditioned and they, they let me in. Oh, you did it with the boys. Yeah. That's cool. Hell yeah. Um, so I was in Sanguine Humors at Bellarmine and that was really fun and really awesome. I know about Bellarmine. Yeah. Cause you're a boy. Yeah. No, when I was in seventh grade, um, they brought a bunch of Bellarmine students in to like tutor us. I don't know. It was weird to mentor us. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I remember exactly <laughs> the reasoning for it. But we had like Bellarmine kids in, in our classes in middle nice. school. Yeah. Yeah. So I went, um, I did, I did improv there at Sanguine Humors. Uh, loved it. Did I continued doing improv in college? And then the, um, for me, the dream was always like, do stand up, go do stand up. So, uh, I went and I did that pretty seriously in like 20, 2013. Okay. So, about um, 10 years after high school. Yeah. Were you so, doing I, improv I, this whole time? I was doing improv a lot of the time. Um, I kind of stopped for a little bit because, you know, working a full time job yeah. was a lot for young 20 something Laura. So, um, I had to stop for a little bit, but, um, it was good. It was really good. And so then I got really serious into stand up, and I was able to do some fun stuff. Like I went on a tour. So I did, I was performing at the punchline. Me and Tuesday Thomas were, um, producing a show at punchline called uh, estrogen entree with a side of balls, which was an all female monthly show with uh, one or two men that we would include. Um, and that was pretty cool. Uh, I performed, I performed six months pregnant at Cobbs, which was fun. Oh, wow. That's cool. I did a few shows at the comedy store in LA. Wow. And then I went to New York and I did Gotham's and Eastville and um, I think one other place out in New York. But it was really fun. That is so rad. That is really awesome. So, Laura, you are, what's the term? Unassumingly funny, I want to say. Just because (laughs) you're like, you're kind of quiet, you know. And you're pretty serious, but then you're really funny. I really think you're super funny. Um, what At what point did you really like start to develop your sense of humor? Yeah. So my I am the least funny person in my whole family. Oh, interesting. Right? So I think, I think it was like genetic from birth, right? But I remember being like, I remember being at a wedding for my uncle and me and my aunts and uncles and brothers and cousins were all just sort of sitting around watching a baseball game. And my uncle Ricky just goes, Aunt Jemima makes a better, better. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, man, that's, that's awesome. Uh, And so I think humor for better or worse was always the, the through line um in 
in our family. I think both my brothers, Greg and Dave, were the, you know, class clowns. Um, I don't think I was the class clown. I know I was not the class clown, but I do know that if you listened to me, you were laughing. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. I love it. You remember uh, when you when you got into stand up, like the first place you went to for an open mic? Oh my gosh, yeah! The first place I went to for an open mic, the first time I ever did stand up was at the Brainwash uh, oh, with okay, Tony okay. Sparks and the Godfather, uh, the Godfather of comedy. And I remember just like standing in the alley, and there were like you know thirty dudes and me. <laughs> And they were like, Tony was like, oh, yeah, like, you can go first. And I was like, what? Oh, dang. <laughs> you're like, like yeah, I got to sell this works before I go up there. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, you're a lady. You know, you don't have to wait. You don't have to stay here till whenever. I was like, okay. And he did the whole thing where he goes, we're going to give her a lot of love. And, like, you know, when the whole brainwash screams that, it was just, it was very nice. It was very very uh very welcoming it was a very good first intro to comedy but then i would go and do stand up in places where you shouldn't um like i did stand up i would just try to get on stage however i could wherever i could so my friend uh tom had a band and they were playing at like grant and green and i was like oh yeah i stand up while you set up your your instrument. And so there was just like a bunch of like punk rockers <laughs> who wanted to hear music. And I was like, you know, one time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, trying to, oh, I pl- I did stand up at Chemo's on Polk. What's that? It was a gay bar. I think it's still there. But yeah, I would do stand up wherever I could, whenever yeah. I could. It's easy to do it in, in like SF and Oakland and get as many as you can a night because they're like all over the place over there. Yeah. And then in San Francisco, you know, like every little corner, they could put a little microphone in. Like there's this place, there's this bar. I saw it uh, when we went to Cobbs on last weekend and uh, it's called La Rocca's. Mm-hmm. And I went in there because uh, when I first, first started doing comedy, there's like this little nook in the corner. And we were doing comedy with open mic right in that corner. And so I just went in to go see like how it looked. And it's so sad. It's just this little corner. And like, it's just terrible. I, I do comedy there though. I think another place that I loved was uh, Meredith Godfrey runs um, an every other Saturday night at the hearth on Geary. And that was just, it's still running. You should go there if you're in San Francisco. Um, but she always, she always pumped me up, and that was lovely. Um, it's nice to have people that, like, believe in you and support you when you're like, is this funny? Am I funny? <laughs> and then um, how did how did it affect your comedy, like, when you had a baby? Oh, man. I had to, like, throw away pretty much all of my material. Oh, wow. One... Um, because it just really wasn't relevant anymore. I think there's still a few things. Some jewels stayed with me, 
um, throughout that time. But really, it allowed me to, you know, see the world as a parent, um, to see um, and relive things with new eyes, like, in a way that was just wild. Like, have you, you've seen Beauty and the Beast, right? Yeah. yeah. Not the re- not the live action one, though. Doesn't matter. It's the same <laughs> story. Beauty and the Beast is so messed up. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not because of the Stockholm syndrome and it's not because of the bestiality, but it's because in the beginning, the whole town sings a song about how weird the pretty girl is because she reads books. Damn. That's messed up. And like, even Gaston is like, I'm going to get her. And LeFou's like, but she. And if he finished that sentence, it would be, but she reads books. <laughs> she just reads books. She's not doing anything. Uh, so it's been, it's been eye-opening. It's been wild. Uh, it's been a blessing. I'm like glad to be a parent. It was really hard. I had postpartum depression. So that was pretty rough. Yeah. Um, but I think like getting through that and being on the other side of it, um, one, I can talk about it, right? Which is mm-hmm. great because like when I went through it, then all these people that I knew were like, oh yeah, I had postpartum depression or, oh, I went through something like that. And I was like, why didn't you tell me? Like, why wasn't anyone talking about it? Like, I had no idea. Like, I thought I thought postpartum depression was like, you drown your kids in a bathtub. I thought it was like black and white. Like, I didn't know that there was like, this whole spectrum of what you could go through. And then on top of that, like when you're in the moment in something like this, you feel like you're alone. Like nobody else feels this. And yep. so if other people say, Oh, I felt that, then you don't feel so alone. Absolutely. hundred mm-hmm. percent. I think it's important for people to be able to talk freely without the stick. Like you said, there's, People think it's just a cut black and white, you know, scenario and postpartum depression quite often for me when I had it, it creeps up on you. It sneaks up on you and you don't even realize you're going through it when it starts initially happening. And then when you're in the thick of it, you're like, holy crap, something's wrong. It's not just me. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think like it's really helpful to know that like if it's going to happen to you, it's going to happen to you. It's biological. There's no way to tell. There's nothing you could do that would make it not happen or be less. Just like find a community, find a doctor, find a play group, talk to your friends, talk to moms go on Reddit. Like I know Reddit's like a very not great place, but like to find people who are going through what you're going through, it's, it's not the worst. It's Reddit's uh, really good for information. Yeah. Like whenever I want to know like an opinion on something, I'll Google it and I'll put Reddit at the end. This right. or this Reddit, you know, <laughs> and then people actually are pretty honest about some stuff. I mean, you know, some people you gotta, you know, go through the crap, but Yeah. That's so, good. Um, 
when you were able to uh, kind of get out of the fog of postpartum depression, were you able to, um, I guess, be able to, uh, were you writing about it? Were you like kind of, you know, addressing it in stand up at all? Yeah, I was. Um, I wasn't able to like get back on stage for a while because it was pretty hard. Um, but I was definitely writing about it. Um, and I think, I think that there's, there's definitely joy to be found even in the darkest like parts of us. And I think that, um, there are so few non-males in comedy that there aren't like, you know, there isn't the standard of like, oh, dating, oh, da-da-da, oh, postpartum depression, right? Like there isn't like that, oh boy, here we go. Um, <laughs> like you with, I don't know, a dick joke. But <laughs> yeah, I think it was really helpful. And uh, now I'm able to just, you know, approach the whole person of me and figure out what I see and what I think is interesting or what I think is um, funny or offbeat usually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What was um, comedy life, comedy and life for you like uh, when the pandemic hit? So the pandemic was uh, pretty hard, I think, um, for the first like few months because I was like, are we going to all die? You know, I was like, there like are, I did like my pandemic panic purchase where I was like, I'm going to buy if there's no more grocery stores and the food supply chain ends, I need two pounds of peanut M&Ms and a box of a (laughs) hundred like kettle corn. <laughs> that was my thing. And then I like took Posey and I was like, she was like three. It was so hard. Like preschool just ended. And I was like, um, we're gonna do a science experiment. We're gonna grow some fruits and vegetables on our balcony, which of course was like a fire escape because we were in a tiny San Francisco apartment. I was like, we're gonna grow this in our garden on our and she was like yay but really i was like there's no there what if there's no food <laughs> i like but how you like uh you it was a pan- it was a panic but you spun it to like a fun cute thing oh yeah i like i took really good care of making my unit feel safe which was nice but i think in terms of comedy it actually was amazing because um it lowered the barrier for me right because normally I'd have to like make my partner put the kid to sleep or like find time to actually leave and make sure I showered and do all those things and like comedy on zoom was just like whoa so it really allowed me to go from writing a lot to performing a lot which in turn like got me writing even more and writing even more so I was a huge fan of what it did for me in terms of comedy. Um, And I'm really thankful for it. Uh, Obviously I still wish I was in San Francisco because breaking into a new comedy scene, like during a pandemic is tough. 
Yeah. <laughs> working on it. Yeah, I bet it is tough. Uh, what was uh, what did take you to Portland? So one was what took us away from San Francisco. Honestly, was the San Francisco school district. They like were not making great choices, and it just felt like we could never own a home. Uh, we loved San Francisco, but if there wasn't a pandemic, we'd still be there. But like being in our apartment with like a four-year-old and like the parks were closed and everything just felt so hard, you know? Yeah. Um, you probably had a little apartment too. Cause you know, San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, my partner was working for the city of San Francisco and then he got a job, um, at TriMet up in Portland, which is like, a Portland's Muni. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, in their HR department. So, uh, we came up here, we were able to buy a house, which was like, Oh, congratulations. Never, thank you. Like that never would have happened in San Francisco. I wish it could have, but like we looked all the way north up to Nevada and all the way south down to Gilroy. And we were like, well, if we're going to put all our stuff in a van and move, like let's, let's try something new. You know, I'd been in the Bay area my whole life. My partner had been there in San Francisco 20 years. Um, if we win the lotto, we're coming back for sure. But <laughs> for now, Excellent. we're really happy. Hell yeah. I love it. That's super cool. And then, uh, so when you were, when you moved, you were still doing Zoom comedy, right? Like comedy online? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. When, um, what, what was it like for you to get back into comedy? Because yeah, you said it's tough, but like, what's it like for you to start doing comedy in Portland? Like, have you been yeah. to places and things? Yeah, I've been to a handful of mics, but literally a handful. So we moved twice in the last two years. We moved from San Francisco to our rental and then from our rental to the house that we eventually bought. Okay, okay. Um, so it was a lot of adjustments um, yeah. and settling. Um, but yeah, it's been good. It's been, it's been welcoming, I think. Um, I need to go out more, um, but I definitely love, I definitely still love the Zoom community. It's how I met you two. Um, it's how I met a lot of people and it's really just made me feel really creative and productive in a way that I don't think would have happened. And I don't think, I mean, maybe there was Zoom comedy before the pandemic, but I didn't know about mm, it. I don't, I don't think there was. I don't think there was. There was Skype there when the pandemic first hit. A lot of people were doing comedy on Skype before they even started doing Zooms, which is pretty crazy to me. You make it sound so archaic. Oh man! <laughs> they were in on the beginning Skype. of the pandemic. Nobody had video. They were it doing. They were doing uh, hieroglyphics <laughs> on the wall. <laughs> Just kidding. Like, hey man, is this funny? <laughs> no, Skype has video. Skype has video. Oh, it does. Yeah, it's always had video. Oh, I didn't know that. Silly ass. Oh well, I didn't know. Hell yeah. I used to do my podcast on Skype back in the day, like 10 years ago. Wow. I used to have to have a Skype recorder and I have to connect them. That was bullshit. I mean, Skype? Yeah. Skype really lost it, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Skype had the opportunity to win the pandemic because yeah. it was all everybody used before. Before, yeah. Like all they had to do was be like, and you can use Skype, but no, uh, Zoom came in and kicked their ass. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. very true. That's very true. Everybody should have uh, invested in webcams too. Yeah, I couldn't. You know what? It's crazy. Is I didn't have a webcam. And then, um, the, you know, the whole Zoom thing started. And so I, I bought a webcam on Amazon or, you know, whatever. But it, like, took, like, three months or something. It took a long time for it to come because they're all sold out. It was crazy. Yeah. All those webcam boys needed it. Yeah. <laughs> all those uh, Zoom bombers. Oh, dang. Bastards. Did you ever have, like, Zoom bombers come in on your your uh, your experience? It would be more interesting if I said yes, but the real answer is no. You know what? That's cool. That is cool. We only got <laughs> they're, they're we <laughs> we only got zoom bombed one time. Like I've been I've I've experienced it a few times, but we only got zoom bombed one time. And uh, do you know Dana Wisson? I, I don't, but I want to learn more about this person. Oh man, she's amazing. She's a she was badass. she was on she was on, and they came on, and she was like. Just like verbally, like taking them down one by one. They waited for her. They, wait- they waited for a female to get on. I think they did. The yeah, lineup. And um, she she does this joke where she like makes this like turkey sound, and then somebody goes. He he put his camera on. He goes, "Will you do that to my dick?" And then she goes, "Venmo five hundred dollars to Dana Whiston, and then we'll talk, bitch." She didn't skip <laughs> a beat. Like they didn't fucking oh, yeah. at all. And- <laughs> Like we were able to get them out of there, like pretty. Yeah, as she was talking shit to them, I was just taking them out, and it was it was crazy. It was the most epic. It like that endeared her to our hearts, like almost permanently, because she was just she finessed it. Laura, do you have any like projects or anything coming up that you're working on? Yeah. So <laughs> when I was in San Francisco, uh, do y'all know Mutiny Radio? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We know Pam. So when I was in San Francisco uh, for maybe a year, maybe a year and a half, I'm not sure, um, me and Chris Blackwood and Scott Bendure on Sundays from four to six, we had a radio show called Blackwood Down. And it was just improv and fake call-ins and sketch. It was like a theater, like a radio show theater. It was really, it was really fun, um, but that was a decade ago, literally. Um, and so we actually all got back together, and we are doing the Grasscast, which is a grassroots comedy podcast where we talk to um, organizations like Planned Parenthood or um, Habitat for Humanity. And we talk to them about what their mission is, how people can get involved. And then we also make it hilarious. Um, That's awesome. So it really ties back to my major. Um, Oh, you're right. You're right. It does. So it's a podcast. Uh, That's what I'm doing. You can find it wherever you get podcasts. But that's my my big thing right now. Yay. Hell yeah. yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. I like how it circles back to your major, like you said. Yeah, it's really fun. It's I think it's hilarious. Um, 
but they're really good, informative, just like bite-sized chunks where people can learn about um, nonprofits and what their, or like what their mission is and Mm -hmm. how you can get involved and hopefully laugh a little. I like it. I like that because it also makes people who don't really pay attention to that kind of stuff, uh, be able to digest it mm-hmm. in a, like an easier way. Cause humor really helps you consume things in a completely different way than you're used to. Yeah. Cause like you use Planned Parenthood as, as an example. And if somebody was just like, Oh, let me find out what they're all about. And they Google it. It'd probably be pretty boring, you know, but like the way that you do it, it sounds a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's awesome. That's so awesome. It's called Grasscast? Yeah. Hell yeah. They should make a, a 420 Grasscast, too. Oh, my god! <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> That's awesome, Laura. Hey, um, well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been super fun talking to you. I really loved it. It was a great, it was a great little chat. Hell Yay. yeah. Do you want to uh, plug your social media or anything? Oh, yeah. You can find me on TikTok or Instagram. Not so much on Twitter anymore because that's like kind of imploded. But I'm Laura Tells Jokes on all the social medias. Awesome. Uh, You can find me across the board at Funky Sam Medina. And I am at She Shines for You, all spelled out, no numbers. And everything else is at Hypothetical Comedy. Awesome, Laura. Thank you so much. Thank you both.